Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. Stand by for news and stuff. Well, I've discovered that most people this time of the year, coming up Thanksgiving for tomorrow, very exciting time or just a horror story. I mean, especially if you're the only Christian getting together for that family and friends gathering. Can be a real problem, right? But yet a great opportunity for you and I to witness on the love of Almighty God and maybe talk to somebody about Jesus and, and getting saved. Yes, a tough time of the year. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the highest rate of suicides in America. People just have no reason to live, and yet we do. We have an answer. His name is Jesus. He's not an answer. He is the answer. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you have a family time tomorrow. Maybe God would give you an opportunity even praying for the meal. I pray all of us will have a chance to talk to somebody about Jesus. These are great opportunities God gives us. What in the world is going on? Mass shooting, Walmart, Chesapeake, Virginia. It happened last night. Six people dead and was carried out by one of the store's employees before he took his own life by turning the gun on himself. Chesapeake Police Chief Mark Zolinski told reporters this morning that the male employee used a pistol in the attack, which also left four other people hospitalized. Their conditions currently unknown. And following a search by a SWAT team at the individual's home, police believe there is no risk to the public anymore. The employee not identified as police say they have yet to contact family. He died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. This is just awful to listen to. The blood-soaked crime scene where four University of Idaho students were brutally murdered more than a week ago is a major challenge for investigators. That, according to an expert, from a blood evidence standpoint, this is profoundly a bloody scene. It's going to be a very complicated case when you go through blood evidence, when you go to do the DNA typing. Major challenge. So bloody. They really believe that either this was a, a acquaintance to one of these four kids or it had to be a stalker. We've had it here at the Patton household. Diagnosed, been to the dock. Meanwhile, a mother of five asking parents to keep their sick children at home after a recent respiratory Cintil virus, RSV, that's it, you've heard of it. It's an outbreak, infected three of her daughters and led to a frightening hospitalization of one where she nearly lost her. Carmen Breimiller, 27, Barker, New York, has been caring for her daughters for several weeks and said the road to full recovery is ongoing now. Yeah, it's real. Not only kids, adults, coast to coast. Just something all the time like this, isn't there? They're still trying to figure out what happened. What a scam. One of the biggest ever in the world. One guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, disgraced founder of the now-collapsed crypto exchange FTX. Well, he's apologized to his staff, really. People lost millions of billions of dollars, up to $51 billion, having worked in some strange MLMs in the past. I know how this can happen. Somebody's getting rich. Boy, oh boy, that's a, this is terrible. But as I heard over the weekend, and subliminal seduction and other areas, this is coming. Crypto, they'll know where your money is and can shut it down at any time and you lose everything.
Say it ain't so. World Net Daily. That's a good source of news information from a conservative point of view for you. They say it's a mess on the shelves. Public libraries are enthusiastically, that's the operative word, enthusiastically joining the LGBT queer crusade. One gal said she went to the library to look for a book by Max Licato that might help her with her puppet show. I asked the librarian if she'd ever heard of him. She said yes. We went over to the L's. Didn't see anything on Licato. What I did see was a large freestanding rack of children's fair. Ah, dedicated to the LGBTQ topics. I said in a perplexed fashion, Lucado is a famous author. What happened? There are new authors coming out all the time, she said, so that new titles push out the old stuff. I asked, not wanting to embarrass her or myself, though already suspecting it was more than that, unless they're classic, she gratefully seized on my out. So that doesn't surprise you, does it? I mean, that public libraries are enthusiastically joining the queer crusade. And on a related note here in the New America, do you remember what it was like when you were in school? One of my greatest fears right through high school was getting a paddling. How about you? Well, the growing chaos in our society is forcing many Christians to rethink even their most cherished assumptions about their relationship with the government. For example, is public education even an option for Christians anymore? Hmm? Should Christian parents send their children to the public school? That question has emerged as one of the most controversial debates of our time. And yet every family must come to terms with the issue involved in the public school debate, and they better do it fast, they say. Most parents already know that a great deal is at stake with that question. We start with the affirmation that it's the parents who bear responsibility for the education of their children. And God's going to hold every parent accountable for the decisions we make about our children and the context of that, as well as the content of our children's education. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 26, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. In the truest sense, Christians understand that every home is a church, a government, and a school. The first church, the first government, the first school that a child would come to know. The duty of Christian parents to raise their children in the nurture, the admonition of the Lord cannot be delegated to anyone else, not the state, not the schools, not even the church. In today's context, most parents still send their children to the public school, and this has been the norm and the expectation for most American parents since the beginning of the 20th century. Until fairly recently, exceptions to this rule have been seen as profoundly anti-democratic and practically un-American. Homeschoolers were seen as marginal eccentrics. Catholics were seen as hopelessly sectarian. And those who sent their children to the private school were, well, you were just an elitist snob. For the most part, American evangelicals in the 20th century agreed with this assessment. Evangelical families sent their children to the public schools with confidence and, and did so with eagerness. They had little interest in other alternatives for the simple reason they saw very little need for any alternative. Evangelical Christians were happy with the public school and saw them both effective and efficient in the delivery of the American education system. They also saw the public school as safe and a, and a healthy place for the kids. And they grew to love the athletic programs and the extracurricular activities that grew along with those schools in the American century as the last century came to be known. But Something has happened, really. 
By the end of the 20th century, American evangelicals were abandoning the public school by the millions. Did you know that? The last 40 years, count them, four decades, have witnessed the explosive expansion of the Christian school movement in America and the emergence of homeschooling as a mainstream educational option to the nation's children. And the emergence of homeschooling as a mainstream educational option among the nation's Christians. Why is that? Christians waking up all over America asking, what in the world is going on? Starting in California, a major backlash against the public school. You know, the earliest public schools in this country were community-based and parent-controlled. Parents and fellow citizens within the community would establish a school and, and hire a schoolmaster. The community would establish the curriculum. The schoolmaster was expected to maintain discipline in the school as well as to guide the education of the students. But my, oh my, how that's changed, right? I don't think there's a Christian listening, a real Christian listening today who would say, yeah, I'm comfortable with the public school. There is so much bad happening there. If you happen to be in a small town, and I know many great uh, Christians who are teaching in the public school system, but that's just one part. What else are they learning in that school? What is going on? It's not a Christian school. It's a public school. And that being the case, it's either a biblical view or a, a worldview. I mean, come on. I, I've talked to bunches of Christian school teachers, men and women. It is getting tougher every day. It's something to pray about. Everybody has to make their decision. I remember when I went to Bob Jones University, went to church at Southside Baptist, where Ron Hamilton, better known as Patch the Pirate, attended. Anyway, I remember a family there. They had five kids, sent them to the Christian school. And you know what? They had a very frugal lifestyle. As a matter of fact, they didn't even have a car. They wanted to make sure their kids got a Christian education, and therefore they walked and took the bus so the kids could go to Christian school. What do you think in your neck of the woods? Public school? Christian school? This is really something to pray about. And still, China, COVID, hundreds of workers at Apple's main iPhone-making plant there in China clashed with security personnel as tensions boiled over after almost a month under tough restrictions intended to quash the COVID pandemic. Isn't that something? A lot of people beaten badly. My goodness. Everyone still shaking their heads about Sam Bankman-Fried, the disgraced founder, if you will, of the collapsed crypto exchange FTX. He just said, I apologize, really. People lost up to $51 billion in total. One of the worst things in the history of America, financial losses. What a scam that one was, huh? Well, again, referencing our time with Billy Crown and the folks of Sunrise Bible Church, folks from Nevada, California, guns. How about guns? I just asked the many gathered there in Saturday's meeting, how many of you have guns? And nearly everybody raised their hand. Then I said, how many of you are packing right now? <laughs> and men and women, nearly everyone, raised their hands. See, that, that's the problem. The left-leaning loony. See, you are the problem. Those guns. We've already reported violence. Killed here, there, and everywhere. Guns. 
We're told we're in the midst of an epidemic of violence in America. Guns are killing people wholesale. Politicians, people, they say it all the time. And worse than all of that, people are buying that junk. I still remember going to school. They're in the pickup trucks in the parking lot. Guns. Nobody shot anybody. What? Crimes that were common simply couldn't be reported on because it's impossible to cover all these things. But when they become less common, it's possible to report big time. And the perception becomes that the problem is worse rather than better. I've argued that's a big part of what's happened, but uh, let the media off the hook? Why? They have gone out of their way. The lefties have gone out of their way to fail to inform the public on the reality of not just crime, but also gun-related fatalities. Mass shootings grab the headlines. Suicides, by far the leading category of gun death in America. However, most Americans don't know this. According to a national poll from the APM Research Lab called Call to Mind and Guns and America. The poll asked a thousand Americans what they think about the leading cause of gun death is 33% homicides. Outside of mass shootings, 25% thought mass shootings caused the most gun deaths, 23% correctly identified suicides as the leading cause. The remaining respondents chose accidental shootings or said they did not know. In other words, the media spent so much time and effort prattling about with the mass shootings and pushing those as the major problem, people have a skewed perception on whether or not there's a real problem in America. A third of the population apparently believes that most people shot and killed are murdered in the mass shootings. So yeah, uh, stick to your guns. I mean, in more ways than one. Who said it? When government takes away citizens' rights to bear arms, it becomes citizens' duty to take away government's right to govern. George Washington. Warning goes out there to you Facebookers, a heads up. I think Kim first sent me this, but got lots of responses now. Almost every account is being cloned on Facebook. Your picture, your name used to create a new Facebook account. They don't need your password. They want your friends to add them to their Facebook account. They'll think it's from you, accept your request. From that point on, they can write whatever they want in your name. I had a pastor. I've been confirming several uh, pastors and missionaries from overseas. Anyway, I was just shocked. I just accepted him, and he'd come through some man in Tennessee. But, wow, I got the filthiest message in the world. They just kept coming. I thought, what is this guy? Wasn't this guy? Cloned account. Be very careful. The warning is don't accept a second friend request from anyone on there. I guess a lot of them are going out from me. I've been cloned. Let everybody know this is a big problem. Well, it happened again out in Las Vegas. Not one, not two. How many people? So do you know that you look like, yeah, 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 Robert De Niro. Good grief, Charlie Brown. <laughs> of all people, I said this a couple of years ago. Who said it? Life for Americans during the Trump presidency is like living in an abusive household. A real nutcase. Robert De Niro. Okay. Where's my Bible? Life 101. Next. Hello, world. Past programs available. GregPatton.com. Last year this time. Wonder what we spoke on. 
Find out, go to our website, gregpatton.com, YouTube videos there on our preaching and other things, all that available at gregpatton.com. C.S. Lewis said it, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Moderately important? If Jesus is God and he died and he loved you that much, you owe him the rest of your life, every second of your life. Let me say again, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. It either deserves your entire life or it deserves nothing. What's your passion? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Another good question might be, what am I thinking? What's wrong with me? What is my passion? What's yours? We have an unbalanced schedule. I've already confessed that sin. Unused talent, do you have that? Is there unconfessed sin in your life? Referring to Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Do you have unresolved conflicts? Are there unsupported lifestyles that you're involved in? And are you unclear about what your purpose is in life? Because you need to know that. I confess, of course, that I am a weak person. I admit it. I need relationships with other believers to grow in Christ. For better or for worse, the only reason I've grown as a believer is because I've been around other people who are growing as believers, and they've helped me so much. And that's how God made all of us, you. We need relationships if we're going to grow. That's what makes your life worthwhile. Now mark this down. Whenever you forget why God put you on this earth, you're going to drift toward apathy and lethargy and away from God and get into a backslidden condition. Who cares? Why get out of bed if there's no meaning to life? Just stay in bed. If there's no purpose to my life, Maybe you felt like Isaiah, chapter 49, I've labored to no purpose, and I've spent my strength in vain, and I've done it for nothing. Wow. Passion, purpose, they go together. When you have a clear purpose, it's going to give you a lot of passion. But it's got to be God's purpose for your life to be right. If you're only living for you, that's a pretty dinky purpose. That isn't going to make you very passionate. In fact, it's going to make you pathetic. Yeah, I'm living for Greg. That'll give you a lot of energy to get out of bed in the morning, won't it? You need a cause greater than yourself that gives your life real significance and gives your life real meaning. And the, and the more you understand God's purpose for your life, the more you live those purposes, the more passionate you're going to be in life. Passion is waking up in the morning, wherever you are, bounding out of bed because you know there's something out there that you love to do, that you really believe in, that God made you for. And you're, you're good at that thing, aren't you? Something that's bigger than you are, and you can hardly wait to get at it today. It's something that you'd rather be doing than anything else in the world, and you wouldn't give it up for all the money in the world. No, you wouldn't. Nothing matters more than knowing and, and living for God. So how is your spirit today? Every day, every day you face all kinds of circumstances that conspire to shrink that spirit, to destroy that spirit, to shrivel up your heart. So you get up tomorrow morning. You'll have distractions. You'll have disappointments. That's life. You'll have conflicts. You're going to have changes, challenges coming your way. You're going to have some big problems, some pressures. This is life. You're going to have frustrations, fears, failures, fatigue. That's the big four. Frustration, fear, failure, fatigue. All of these things fall on you and they just shrivel you up. So you must intentionally nourish your spirit. If you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody else is going to nourish your spirit. So if you don't take the time and the trouble to do it, you're done for. You're toast. How do you do that? Need to read your Bible. 
You need to pray. You need to serve mankind. Part of that, again, is soul winning and discipling others. You need to be in fellowship with other believers, and you need to be in a good Bible-believing church. Do you have a ministry where your talents are helping others? You need a mission in the world where you're sharing your faith. If you just choose one purpose and forget all the others, you're going to be in balance. You're going to lose your patience, and you need all of this. How do I do that? How do I plug into God? How do I have this living, vital, daily relationship with God that keeps my spirit nourished? I know some people have it. The starting point is to remember how God feels about you. Have you thought about that? You know it, but you forgot it? What? Did you know that God is hopelessly in love with you? What is that? God is hopelessly in love with me? The reason that you're not passionate about God is you've forgotten how passionate God is about you. Exodus 31, 14, you must worship only the Lord, for he is God who is patient about his relationship with you. Did you know that? Did you know that God is patient about you? You're not just another one of those creations. Yep, Greg's just a, a, another one that I made. I've made million. No, he's passionate. He made you to love him. You were created as an object of his love, and the more you understand how God is patient about you, the more passionate you're going to be about God. And when you forget how much God loves you, yeah, you start drifting away. Are you in church regularly? Are you involved in the things of your local church? People sometimes say, well, forget that. I got so much to do. My plate is full. And uh, we're going to a movie tonight. We're going to the football or basketball game tonight. How do we know that God's patient about us? The proof is in the cross. The cross. That old rugged Jesus stretched out his hands and they nailed him to the cross, and he was in essence saying, I would rather die than live without you. That's how passionate I am about my creation. God says, I made you. I love you. I'd rather die than live without you. And that's something to think about. The suffering of Jesus on the cross, his passion. You've probably heard about communities and towns that have passion plays. And what is that? It's a drama that depicts the suffering of Jesus. Jesus never wanted us to forget what he did for us on the cross, so he gave us a symbol of communion. He said, when you take communion, I want you to remember my patient. I want you to remember how patient I am about you. Acts 1-3 says, Jesus showed himself alive to them, the disciples, after his patient by many demonstrations. Forty days he continued to appear to them and tell them all about the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 33, whoever is wise will remember these things and will think about them and have deep love of the Lord. We need to do that. Well, I trust this has been a blessing to you, my friend. So happy Thanksgiving with this thought, that gratitude you have unlocks the fullness of life, turns what we have into enough and more, turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity, can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Give that some real serious thought. Oh, and speaking of tomorrow, and finally, this one will work for some of you. Our eldest daughter, this gal says, invited her college roommate to join our large family for Thanksgiving. As families sometimes do, somehow we get into a lively argument over something very trivial. <laughs> and then we realized we had a guest. She said there was immediate silence. And the gal said, please, 
don't worry about me. Remember, I was brought up in a family, too. Oh, yeah. I trust you have a great day at your gathering tomorrow. No arguments, just a lot of thanksgiving. Trust everything is going well in your world today. Every day at this time, including tomorrow, news, information, and comment will be right here. And that's the way it is. Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. I'm Greg Patton. God bless. Have a great day.